I want you to turn in your Bible to Judges chapter 13. And I just want to share a, a brief message with you this morning uh, from the book of Judges about Samson's parents uh, when they were told that they were going to have a child and, and uh, their response to what the Lord told them. And uh, and I hope and pray that as we, we look at this message this morning, that, that all of our families can be strengthened. And I know that some of our teenagers will say, well, Brother Mike, we're not married and don't have kids. That's all right. Think about this until you do get married and have kids. Hmm? And I know that some are saying, well, Brother Mike, we're, we're grandparents now. That's all right. Think about this and share it with your kids. And some of you are saying, we've had kids. We've gone through the experience. We ain't going to have no more. Uh, that's all right, too. Uh, but I want you to notice what God says here in Judges chapter 13, uh, beginning in verse 11. And we're going to read down to verse 13. And if you would, let's go ahead and stand once again out of reverence and respect for God's word. Judges 13, beginning in verse 11. So Manoah arose and followed his wife. When he came to the man, he said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. Manoah said, Now let your words come to pass. What will be the boy's rule of life and his work? So the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. That's what, once again, look to our Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you that you're the God of life. We thank you that you're the God of new life. And we thank you for the responsibilities that you've given us as parents for children. Father, even as we, we thank you for that responsibility, we also realize that none of us in here are perfect parents. And we pray that you would forgive us of the mistakes that we make. And Father, I pray now that, that you would bless these children that have been dedicated this morning. And I pray that as they grow up, that you would finger their hearts and, and make these young men realize their need of Jesus. And then, Father, use them to change this world in which we live. Lord, we're so desperate today to see another Billy Graham. We're so desperate today to... To, to see another Adirayim Judson. We're so desperate today to see men and women just live for you and be dispassionate in their devotion to Christ. So do a work. Do a work in our lives, Father, as well. Because, Lord, I realize that until you call us out of this life, you still have a work for us to do. And help us to be faithful to accomplish that for you. Now, Father, just bless in this service today. Move in a powerful way. And we'll thank you for what you do, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you realize that God has a purpose for all of us being born? Certainly, that can be seen in Samuel's life. The angel of the Lord came to, 
to Manoah's wife earlier in the chapter, and he shared with her, you're going to give birth to a child, and this child is going to, to, to live a separated life. He's going to be different, and he's going to begin to deliver Israel from the Philistine bondage. And as the angel began to share with Manoah's wife, he, he shared the fact that, that Samson was going to be different. He was going to be a Nazarite. Now, sometimes we, we confuse the Nazarene with the Nazarite, and those are two different things. In the Old Testament, there were Nazarites, and one of the things that a Nazarite did was he took a vow that he would never eat anything from the grape. He would not eat raisins. He would not eat grapes. He would not drink wine. Nothing from the vine was to ever touch a Nazarite's mouth. Not only that, but a Nazarite was to refrain from cutting his hair. He was to never have a haircut. <laughs> uh, you know, he, he was probably one of the first hippies that there ever was. Then a Nazarite was, was to never defile himself. He was to never touch anything that was unclean. Not even for his own family. No dead animal, no dead body. He was to, to keep himself pure. Because through the power of that holy life, God was going to use him to begin to deliver Israel from the Philistines. See, God had a divine purpose in Samson being born. And God has a divine purpose in our lives. Did you realize that there's not a single person in this room here today by accident? God has divinely allowed us to be born at the time we were born and the place that we were born for His divine purpose. God has a purpose for you and for me being here. It's kind of like what, what, what Mordecai one time told Esther. He said, you were born for such a time as this. So we ought not ever think and not ever come to the place where we get a little discouraged because, well, I, I, sh I should have been born back in the 19 or 18s or 17s. No, God allowed us to be born in this specific time for a specific purpose. God gave us our personalities for a specific time and a, spe a specific purpose. God allowed us to have the, the bodies that we have and, and to look like we do for, for a specific reason. We're not accidents. We're the products of God's divine purpose. And one of the responsibilities that we have as parents is to train up our children to where they realize God's purpose for their lives. That's what Manoah was asking the angel in verse 12. He said, what will be the boy's rule of life? What will be his work? And in such a godless and secular world that we live in today, how do we help our kids to find their purpose for their lives? How do we raise our kids to where they see what the will of God is for their life as they begin to live that life? Well, I believe the first thing we can do is pray. We can pray for wisdom for ourselves, first of all, to be godly parents. You know, in this passage, we see that Samson's parents were praying for that kind of godly wisdom. I believe that we're to pray for godly wisdom because, folks, really, when you get right down to it, God is the only one that has all of the answers for our families. I don't know if you were like I was, uh, or, or maybe didn't, and, and Bill, y'all were like I was. When, we, when Becky was expecting our first child, we bought almost every parenting book on the market. We got Dr. Spock, and we got James Dobson, and we got John R. Rice. I mean, every book you could buy, we read it. 
But it still didn't prepare us for the experience of Jeremy. That book didn't tell us what to do when your kid waited four years to learn how to sleep. Hmm? Those books don't tell you all that you need to know in order to how to raise kids. Is that not true? That's why there's so many of them. And no matter how godly we are, no matter how well-intentioned we are as parents, there are times that we make mistakes as parents. Did you know who the only perfect parents in this room are today? Those that don't have kids. I mean... I was, I, when I was a young preacher boy, I used to preach to these parents on how to be the perfect parent. When I had kids, I realized I need to go back and tear up a bunch of those sermons. We're going to make mistakes as parents. And what we need is God's wisdom to keep from making those mistakes. And then we need God's wisdom to learn to overcome the mistakes we do make. And that comes through prayer. The Bible tells us if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to him liberally. I think we also need wisdom to know how to deal with each child. Did you realize that each child is different? We had two, and each one of them is different. I got the good child here this morning, right, Jennifer? At least that's what she tells me. But each one of those kids was different. Listen, I could, I could spank Jeremy and spank Jeremy and spank him and he'd just look up at me and give me a defiant look. I could threaten Jennifer and you'd thought I'd killed her. You have to deal with each kid differently because each child has their own personality. Each child has their own likes and dislikes. Each child is different. And even though we love our children the same, Sometimes in dealing with them, you've got to deal with them just a little bit differently. And we need the wisdom to know how to do that. It takes, folks, listen, it takes wisdom to deal with children. And that's why we need to pray. And if you're lacking wisdom today, listen, you, we need to go to the one who has that, and that's the Lord, God. I think, secondly, through prayer, we ought to give our kids to God, just kind of like what was done here this morning. You know, when we give our children to God, we need to ask that He would guide them. You, did you realize the thing that we should want most for our children is that they be in the center of God's will? That's the thing we should desire most. I know sometimes as parents, we want our children to be popular. We want our children to succeed. We want our children to get an education. We want our children to make millions of dollars. But you know, did you realize the most important thing for our kids is that they be in the center of God's will? That's the very most important thing in life. And there may be times that what we want for our kids may not be what God wants for our kids. When I surrendered to preach, that was not what, what, what my daddy wanted. My daddy had a fourth grade education, and he thought the best thing for, for, for Mike was to be a school teacher because that had status with it of, of being educated. And if I couldn't do that, then what he wanted me to do was to be a lawyer, to make lots of money. And when I announced that God had called me to preach, he wasn't too happy with that. 
That didn't fit his plan. And finally he said, well, if you're going to be a preacher, can you be a TV preacher? They make lots of money. <laughs> Later on when we went to Westside and we had a television program in Natchitoches, I said, Dad, I'm on TV now. Great. You know, not a penny came through that. <laughs> but there are times what we want for our kids may not be exactly what God wants. And in those times when God has a different direction for our kids than maybe what we want them to have, we need to pray and say, God, this may not be exactly what I've wanted, but Lord, if this is what you want, if they're in the center of your will, then Lord, not my will, but thine be done for my kids because Lord, I want them to be serving you right in the center of your will. I think also we need to give our kids to God and ask that He build a hedge around them and protect them. Listen, we can't always be with our kids, can we? I've got a son in Okinawa. I'd love to be over there right now, wouldn't you? No. I would, because he's there. And I'd love to go over there and chew him out for joining the Marines. Uh, I can't be there to protect him. If later on he gets sent to Iraq or Afghanistan, I can't be there to protect him. But you know what I can do? I can pray for him. When your kids get older and they grow up and they're gone, you're not going to be able to go with them on their first date, right? Some of you are saying, you watch. <laughs> but you can pray. Because God's always with us, is He not? He'll never leave us nor forsake us. And we need to be praying, Oh God, I, I just want you to build a hedge around my son. I want you to build a hedge around my daughter. I want you to protect them. Because I've got a mother hen uh, type mentality about my children. And God, I can't be with them, but you can. And I just pray that you would protect them and keep them from harming, keep them from doing anything that would harm them. Like Job, we can kind of pray a hedge of protection around them. And only through prayer as we depend on God will we ever have peace as we raise our kids. God, I, I'm giving him to you. Lord, I want him in the center of your will. I'm giving her to you. I want her in the center of your will. And I'm just going to pray, Father, as I give them to you, that you're going to do what's best. Secondly, not only can we pray for our kids, but, but we can teach our kids what's right and what's wrong. As a matter of fact, that, that's our job as parents. I realize that God's will for our kids may be a little bit different than what we have in mind. But folks, there are absolute rights and absolute wrongs. And those are the things that we parents can teach our kids. You know, our kids by nature, they know how to do what's wrong. I never had to teach my kids how to be selfish, did you? Hmm? I had to teach them how to share. But I never did have to teach them how to be selfish. Did you? I never had to teach my kids how to lie. They, they were just natural born liars. Come on, y'all were too, right? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's our nature as human beings. We have a depraved, you know, Adamic nature that's just bent towards sin. But what we have to do as parents is to shape and mold our kids and teach them how to do what's right. Manoah did that. He said, Lord, teach us what, what we need to do. And God said, these are the things I want for your child. And Manoah said, okay, I'm going to teach him that. You see, in teaching our kids right and wrong, that's not a job that we give to the school system. 
That's certainly not a job we give to the TV. We as parents must instill those values in our child. And you know, as we instill those values in the child, we also have to realize that those children can, can reject those values. Samson later rejected what his parents taught him. Did you know, parents, we can do everything right and our kids can still decide to do differently? You know why? Because God gave them a free will. I sometimes wish God had given me robots, don't you? He didn't do that. Instead, we instill our values, we instill what we believe into the kids, but, but they can grow up to reject that. And that points out the fact that parenthood can be a really great joy, but it can also be a great heartache as we raise our kids. And when those kids turn away, it's our job to confront them. Later on, Samson, after he got of age, decided that he wanted to marry someone outside the, uh, the, the, the nation of Israel. And Manoah confronted him and said, Now look, Samson, there are a lot of good-looking girls here in Israel. Why do you have to choose one of those out here? He confronted him about it, but Samson st still went ahead and did his own thing. And sometimes we have to confront our children, do we not? Come on, how many of y'all have ever spanked your children? You have confronted them. <laughs> I see Brittany back there. My mama did, my mama. <laughs> and Brittany, the Bible says, whom the father loves, he chastens and scourges every son. So that's an example that your mama loves you, all right? But you know, when we confront, it needs to be done with a loving spirit. And it needs to be done with the design of bringing that child to see the direction that they need to go. And it needs to be done with a broken heart. Because, you know, that's the way I think God disciplines us. Sometimes we have the idea that God's this great big policeman in the sky, and if we get out of line, He's going to thump us upside the head and enjoy it. That's not the way God disciplines. When God disciplines His children, He does it with a broken heart. And that's the way we ought to discipline our children, with a broken heart. And even then, if that child rebels, he'll know that knowing the truth and knowing his actions have hurt God and have hurt his parents. And then thirdly, we can guide our kids to know God's will by being an example. By being an example. Now let's be honest here, can we? There are times that even though we're good examples, there's also times we're not good examples. Isn't that true? Hmm? My kids know I have road rage, don't they? And I know they have road rage. You know where they got that from? Got it from Becky, that's it. No, no. <laughs> they got it from me. I mean, I know that. Because I set the example, right? It's not that I should have done that. I understand I shouldn't have done that. And, and there are times that, that we do become bad examples because we, we're, we're flawed as well, are we not? But what our kids ought to see is they ought to see that we are good examples in a lot of things. And as they grow up, then they can emulate that example. One of the most precious memories I have of our kids growing up is we took them visiting with us several times when we were growing up. And when they were growing up, well, I'm still growing up. And uh, 
We, we went to see some of the widow ladies in our church when we were at Shreveport. And, and, and when we get through, we'd, we'd, we'd join hands with those ladies and have prayer. And, and we'd, we'd done that with several widow ladies as we had gone through the community. And, and we, we missed them on the last house, but we went ahead and had prayer with, with this dear lady. And, and, and I looked through the window, and there was Jeremy and Jennifer out there holding hands, their heads bowed. Now, they may have been at each other, I don't know. But it's a wonderful thing for us to see. They were emulating what they'd seen. Now, folks, listen. The best thing we can do for our kids is give them a good example. A good example. Samson had godly parents. And he also had a God who was faithful to him in spite of the fact that Samson had a stubborn will. And, and, and even though Samson got out of the will of God, at the very last of his life, he came back to the Lord. And it reminds me of that verse, if you train up a child in the way that he should go, when he's old, what? He'll not depart from it. And God did use him to begin to deliver the Philistines from bondage. You know, I think we as, as a church ought to pray for these three young boys this morning that God would use those kids in a mighty way. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Because believe it or not, one of these days, those three children that are dedicated here today will be the ones that carry on the work of Jesus when we're gone. We need to pray for them right now that God would touch them in a special way. And let's not let them down. Let's pray for them. Let's teach them right from wrong. Let's correct them. And let's set a good example for them so that they can, come, most of all, come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Know Him as Savior.